And welcome to another edition of the Morning Briefing. I'm Jeff DeForest, along with Mike Luby Lubitz. Very happy to have you along for the ride. Uh, we here in Florida, and fortunately, it's at the other end of the state, Luby. Not that we should feel good about this, uh, because our uh, Florida brethren are going to be impacted by a hurricane, which uh, just uh, right before we started this thing, made landfall at some place called Keaton Beach which uh, you went to Florida State. I mean, uh, you don't know where Keaton Beach is. You didn't hang out there. You never had a makeout session on Keaton Beach when you were a freshman. No orgies on Keaton Beach uh, involving the entire fraternity, uh, nothing like that. But uh, anyway, they're not partying there now. Never heard of this place. Never heard of it. Okay. Never. Hurricane coverage is weird here. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, when you've lived in Florida for a long time, like I have, you start to question whether you made the right move or did you waste your entire life following the sun? And in general, I, I feel like I made the right move. I mean, outside of the fact that we have Ron DeSantis and a state largely comprised of toothless, brainless hillbillies, I think this is a wonderful place to live. So uh, we wish the best for all of the people up there that are uh, being impacted by this hurricane that uh, just recently made landfall and is going to weave its way. And then, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this kicker. He kicked uh, for a few different teams, but at one time was with the Miami Dolphins. And he had the ability to uh, make the ball appear as if it was a boomerang. That was Joe Nedney, a left-footed kicker, man. Had a hell of a leg. Everybody was like, ah, oh, I tell you what, Nedney from over 50, he's, uh, he's really something. And he was because uh, the ball literally w- would move like this hurricane supposedly is and then circle around and come back to the halter. It was fantastic. But uh, anyway, we wish the best uh, for those people as we're following that. Uh, also, uh, following this, Last night, uh, Luby, I don't think you were paying too much attention to this, but I was. And I remember years ago, in fact, it was 1980, October 2nd, 1980. I remember uh, just before uh, that night took place, my buddy and I had seen a picture of Muhammad Ali in the newspaper, and he had been gargling with thyroid medication and went from being kind of a rotund, uh, you know, he, he wasn't quite butterbean-ish at that stage of his career, but clearly he was finished. He was a shot fighter. Anybody that actually had any affection or feeling for Ali, including the great fight doctor himself, Bertie Pacheco, who I got to know here in uh, Miami many, many years. And, and to his grave, he was saying, I should have never let him let, uh, go ahead and take that fight with Larry Holmes. So um, Ali appears in a newspaper, and, and he looks like he's in great shape. And uh, all of a sudden, the betting line swells to where Ali goes off a 6-5 to five favorite against Larry Holmes, who was in about the third year of uh, being the heavyweight champion of the world and uh, was a better boxer than people gave him credit for. And so uh, we, we decided to get every dime we could together to uh, go and bet all of our, uh, you know, all of our wherewithal on, on Larry Holmes in this fight, thinking you, you could never in your lifetime get a better price on what appeared to be a cinch. I, I don't know what it would have taken Maybe Sonny Liston coming back from the grave to take out Larry Holmes, but there was no way Ali was winning this fight. And it went on for an eternity where uh, I, I believe the referee was a guy named Richard Green, it, it turns out. And uh, Holmes is hitting Ali in the face, Louie. I don't know if you ever saw any highlights of this, which are mostly lowlights. Hitting him in the face, and, and Ali is just standing there taking all of this punishment. Uh, he had to be in acute pain from all of his thyroid medication, which uh, maybe had shrunk his organs to the level of being microscopic. And it was just a bloodbath, a mess. And Holmes is turning to the referee the entire fight and saying, stop it, please stop. Don't make me hit him again. So they finally they called it off after 10 rounds. It was an absolute atrocity, an abortion. And you thought, wow. And I believe Ali may have fought Trevor Burbick after that to finish his career, which shows you. I mean, 
you just keep me hanging on. Hung on a little bit too long. And you could have not have had a greater illustration of it, greater example of it than that Ollie Holmes fight, where you're thinking, wow, as great as this guy was, he hung on way too long. This was, uh, you know, Joe Willie, one of my all-time favorites. Should he be in the Hall of Fame, Louie? The kids say no. The old-timers <laughs> like me, we say, you didn't see him throwing that ball, cutting through the wind at Shea like I did with Don Maynard and George Sauer on the outside. And all of these great defensive backs, uh, Atkinson and Fred the Hammer Williamson, they couldn't stop this attack, and neither could Don Shula. You people that doubted Joe Willie and uh, think that he doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame. But he didn't belong in a uh, Rams helmet, that, that's for sure. My God, you talk about a shot fired. Ali, uh, at that point of his career, he, he looked like Chuck Wepner, the Bayonne bleeder, coming out for the 15th round against uh, what was a much better in shape and more in his prime, Ali. Uh, years prior to that uh, atrocity against Larry Holmes. Uh, Johnny Yu uh, with the Chargers helmet. Oh, my God, a lightning bolt through that thing. What, what a disgrace. We've seen it. And uh, we saw a glaring example of this uh, last night at the U.S. Open when the great Venus Williams, and we will never diminish the accomplishments of, of Venus or Serena Williams. They, they were both fantastic. Uh, you, you need numbers uh, to back this up, Louis? Uh, do I have to justify this position? Uh, 49 titles for uh, Venus Williams, five Wimbledon singles championships, two U.S. Open championships. The last one, however, coming in 2001. Oh, and therein geez. lies the problem. Oh, my God. It was that long ago. Oh, God. She might have won a few more. I mean, Serena was her main competition uh, back then. Yeah. Uh, young Serena was uh, yeah. about to blow past her, uh, much the way many people feel that Carlos Alcaraz will eventually overtake uh, the great Novak Djokovic, even if it isn't this year. At the U.S. Open. So, so anyway, I never begrudge an athlete. I don't know how you feel about this. I, I never begrudge an athlete uh, the idea of continuing to compete because they have just a, a, such an inherent love of the game. It, it almost represents something that, that is wholesome and good about sport. Uh, would you agree with that? But I, then you, know, you have to take into consideration what platform are you performing on? Should that athlete, for their love of the game, be at center court opening night or uh, this was the second night uh, of the U.S. Open. And uh, taking on uh, a, a woman who had to qualify to get into the tournament, had to play three qualifying matches, named Greet Minnan, whose name will quickly be forgotten. I, I don't know that people will remember, if Venus doesn't play again, that uh, Greet Minnan was the last person to beat her. That'll be a trivia question somewhere. You'll be in a bar somewhere asking this question. <laughs> Open one of those slobs that's already had uh, three too many Coronas uh, Says, I'm sorry, I greet a minute. <laughs> no way. Her name will probably, you know, be quickly forgotten. Uh, you know, maybe even as early as the next round when oddly she faces another qualifier. But I mean, I, if you ever wanted to see I, the epitome of a shot fighter, it, it was Venus Williams last night. This was an embarrassment. It, it, it was sad. It, it was, you know, one of those deals where uh, you couldn't have written a more visual epitaph or obituary for your career. Then and, and a sad way to go out, literally being, you know, just carted out of the arena after taking a bludgeoning that, that Venus Williams incurred last night at the hands of a Greet Minute. And I, I don't know that Greet Minute is a great player. She's ranked number seven, 97 in the world. Mm -hmm. But uh, a beating of this proportion, I mean, uh, this was worse than anything we ever saw from the Washington Generals. It, it, it was just <laughs> a complete embarrassment. She, she looked like she'd been on a three-day bender. <laughs> uh, Venus Williams. 
I, I was joking earlier this morning that, uh, you know, my, my cleaning lady uh, picked up my tennis racket off uh, one of the uh, counters uh, here in my room that I'm broadcasting from yesterday and asked me, what is this? And I was thinking during the match that uh, the cleaning lady probably could have beat Venus Williams <laughs> in his match God. last night. Now, we were talking yesterday about the whole fanfare and, uh, you know, what a dog and pony show, a circus, uh, Serena turned her swan song at the U.S. Open into last year. Yeah. where she came out in those uh, wrestling outfits and, and you were waiting for like, uh, you know, somebody to uh, introduce her to Vince McMahon and, and have him uh, have her match up with the fabulous Moolah. I mean, she's got sequence <laughs> on and this and that. And, and she beat a couple of uh, women that, you know, were not necessarily, I guess uh, her second round match was against the number two woman in the world at the time, which was kind of a bogus number, w which is harder to figure, Libby, which has, uh, you know, less credibility when it comes to, mathematical permutations and equations quarterback rating in the nfl or does anybody know how they actually calculate the <laughs> rankings in tennis because how this uh, cornet uh, woman was number two in the world it was beyond explanation and uh, sure enough she, she gets snuffed out by serena williams and now everybody thinks she's going to win the tournament but no we know serena is running around like a bloated shack <laughs> On his return, uh, you know, I mean, uh, his uh, tenure there with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah, the Cavs and the Celtics. End of his career, you're thinking, okay, somebody's got to pay this guy $20 million. They may as well give him a couple of minutes there in, uh, you know, garbage time. Mm -hmm. And that's it. No, it, it was uh, absolutely horrendous. And uh, sh she goes down in flames. How she even won two games what was uh, really a, a phenomenon. I, I, I don't know uh, how she was able to survive this. But after the tournament or after the match, she... She still didn't acknowledge that uh, she was ready to retire. Oh, really? Oh, I was going to ask. Yeah. Like, did she at least say she's retiring? So she's going like, to, I don't get that. Like, I understand. Look, you're not wrong. We talked, you brought it up. They have a right to end their career whenever they want. Sure. But I mean, Andy Murray's playing. He, he doesn't have a chance to win the tournament, but he wins a couple of matches. It gives a credible account of himself. Why would you want to go out like that? Like, why would you want to go out looking that bad? She's won seven Grand Slam titles. She was in a finals in 2017. Like, she's had some last legs in her career. Yes. Like, why would you want to go out limping? Like, I just, I don't, I, I don't understand that. To be so great at one point and to look so bad to the world and be okay with it. I, I just don't get it. Uh, she, she actually, uh, you know, uh, teared up a little bit when she was talking about how disappointing it was for the crowd to come out there. 20,000 people out there. At the U.S. Open, this is a U.S. Open tennis crowd where, you know, I mean, it's just laced with celebrities. Barack Obama's in the upper deck. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, right? He's got an obstructed view there. He's sitting yeah. behind like a statue of Arthur Ashe. <laughs> yeah. Did she get a point there? I don't know. <laughs> Michelle, I mean, I can't even get a decent view of the court. And, and you know, that, that's the kind of crowd they had going there. And, and, and you would think, you know, it would have been, look, I, I don't know that they expected her to win, but this was uh, literally, uh, you know, where it, it was Ishtar for her. <laughs> Warren Beatty was in some good movies. Uh, I recommend Parallax movie. View. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> but I mean, uh, he produced this thing. I mean, what a brick. Imagine having that as uh, your lasting legacy, that, that people remember only that aspect. I mean, Jackie Smith laying in the dirt after dropping that pass. Buckner, the ball between his legs. Hey, can it gets by Buckner? Oh, my God. No, I, I felt uh, I actually felt pain watching this match last night. Thank God it was uh, over quickly and, and it overshadowed. I mean, this was a prelude to uh, Carlos Alcaraz taking the court in defense of his title, which th this is Mr. Excitement. Now, his match also ended up in bizarre fashion because uh, in the very first game, his opponent, a guy named uh, Dominic Kepfer, Kepfer, 
uh, hurt his ankle. He, he rolled over uh, his foot and uh, he, he was not the same. And, you know, to his credit, he said he just stuck it out there because he didn't want to disappoint the crowd, which uh, Venus Williams clearly did. I, I, I don't know. I mean, did you come back from that? <laughs> How do you come back from that? I, I, I remember uh, being at the Arguello prior fight uh, here in Miami at the Orange Bowl, a classic, one of the great boxing matches of all time with the great Alexis Arguello. Uh, against uh, Aaron Pryor, and, and people didn't know as much about Pryor as they did about Arguello. Arguello was the favorite in the fight. Pryor, well, that was the one with Panama Lewis, uh, Louis, Louis, where, uh, you know, he says, hey, give me the bottle I mixed. And then all of a sudden, Victor Conti shows up as his cut <laughs> man and jabs him with a needle the size of which not even Secretariat ever saw. And, you know, uh, here's Pryor. He looked like he was, uh, you know, about on his last leg there. And uh, Aguayo had just hit him with a sledgehammer of a right hand. Comes right out in the next round. Boom, boom, boom. And, and uh, knocks Alexis out. But uh, they had at the time a walkout bout. Uh, they used to uh, have a walkout bout. Some boxing promotions still uh, include a walkout bout. You have the main event. And then, yep. you know, if you want to stick around and let the traffic go, you still have another boxing match. Uh, if you're not drunk enough to uh, realize it's time to leave. <laughs> Then, uh, you know, you stick around. And I remember the walkout bout at the Orange Bowl that night, that night featured Roberto Durant. Oh, wow. Who everybody thought was finished. Wow. This guy, you know, uh, you know, and he had a lackluster performance against some stiff, some guy that looked like, you know, he came out of the Canelo German graveyard. And, you know, I remember asking some boxing writers. Uh, I said, hey, is, is this of any significance? He said, yeah, yeah, you might get another check out of this. Uh, he did go on to, to win some championships. Oh, wow. At, at hey. higher weight levels after that. Oh, wow. So so it is possible, but I, I don't know that there was any way to see that in, in Venus Williams last night. I mean, you, you thought that she was going to leave in an ambulance, even though oh, she, she was not injured. It, it was uh, that bad. So uh, psyche destroyed, uh, legacy still uh, not, uh, I mean, tarnished in the sense that you, you can't take away what she accomplished. But it became very clear yesterday that nobody aces father time, Ruby. Nobody Ace's father, Tom. All right, uh, we are running out of time uh, in the wild card chase. So we, we've been following the wild card thing, Louie. And uh, you have given up hope, right? Have you just uh, decided that's it? I, uh, I had been following the wild card chase until the last week. <laughs> when the uh, Miami Marlins were in it, it was uh, quite a surprise. At one time this season, there were 14 games over 500, a team that we figured if they sniffed 500 this year, that would be a major accomplishment and a giant quantum leap forward. And yet it would be a leap forward into persistent mediocrity because uh, the Marlins, if anybody is, are mired in sub-mediocrity as a franchise since their last world championship. Uh, they did make a little bit of a rise and then they dealt everybody away uh, under the uh, onerous ownership uh, of Jeffrey Lauria and uh, David Sampson, now popular on the CBS uh, sports streaming services, which, um, and when I'm watching this guy, it's the same thing. I mean, why do they always get the guys that have failed the worst? As a, as a businessman, he was wildly successful, right? They sold a franchise that was essentially worthless for $1.4 billion, and they bought it uh, without owning the shirt on their back, uh, Laurie and Sampson. So the greatest sports Ponzi scheme ever was uh, the Marlins franchise sale to this guy named Bruce Sherman, who is a majority owner now. And this guy, no matter what he does, it doesn't work, and nobody cares. But we started to buy into it. Why? Because of the expansion of the wild card position in Major League Baseball, something that I would have been dramatically opposed to. Uh, my baseball sensibilities would have been wildly offended by this. I, I, I don't know that I was like Bob Costas on this, uh, Luby. I, I don't know how you feel about expansion of playoffs in general. 
Uh, it can't go strictly all school because there are far more teams than there used to be. When, when yeah, I was yeah. growing up, you had six teams in the NHL. Four made the playoffs. <laughs> now that regular season was really significant. Yeah, we eliminated the Red Wings once again. And uh, guess what? <laughs> Those Maple Leafs are going to. No, they were good back then. Uh, they haven't been since. Uh, the expansion definitely killed them. But uh, it also kind of bastardizes the idea of winning the championship. Uh, do you feel that way? Uh, every time they start adding in more wild card teams, NFL is doing it. NBA eventually have all teams in the playoffs. The <laughs> NHL, more than half the teams make the playoffs. So what is the – people would question, what is the point of playing the regular season if you don't eliminate anybody? Uh, I, I sort of leaned along those lines. But, but baseball wasn't quite there yet. And yet when they added in uh, the uh, second wildcard team and, and now a third one, you thought, well, that's it. This is a, a death knell to uh, a, any substance uh, coming from the regular season. And it's uh, watered down the playoffs in the postseason as well, because you don't want to see a bunch of mismatches in the first round. Uh, and, and, and anything can happen in baseball. So it's worth making the postseason. All of those fans that say, Oh, well, I don't want my team in the playoffs. Uh, they're just going to get yeah. knocked down the first round. You, you guys are losers, all, all of the yes. people that think that. Yep. Uh, but the Marlins now, I mean, they seem to be out of it. And, and yet I'm glad that there's still even the possibility of some speculation that maybe they might get back in. And so you're still following the games to a certain extent, even though you're turning them off in disgust mostly <laughs> of late and saying, what a bunch of schleppers these guys are. <laughs> they just don't have it but uh you know i mean the whole thing about being a baseball purist I, you buy into it I, they, they always reference like a guy like bob costas there and uh, costas was the chief proponent of the bastardizing of the playoffs when the marlins won the world series in 97 he was bitching the whole time yep as if he had a giant bet on the cleveland indians <laughs> a guy that was like a brilliant baseball voice uh, and, and yet he couldn't help himself he, he had to throw in this editorial opinion and I, I don't think Instagram and any of that was around at the time. Not Had it been, though, they, they, this guy would have been crucified, finished. He wouldn't have been able to walk outside of his house without somebody taking a flaming arrow and trying to shoot it right in his back. But, and then, you know, I, I thought Costas was great. I, I, a lot of people only remember him from when it seemed like he was on meth when he was doing those playoff games, uh, what, last year? Baseball, yeah. Yeah, he, he made a comeback. But a, a brilliant uh, baseball announcer in general. And yet... He disgraced himself by uh, condemning the idea that uh, the Marlins had bought their team and were undeserving because they were a bunch of wild card bag ladies and didn't belong in the postseason to begin with. But I, I think it's created a lot of interest. I, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, do you feel like it's added value? It, it makes winning the division more important. That they established when they added in uh, the wild card team uh, to, to begin with. Then when mm -hmm. they added in the second one, you thought, eh, I don't know about this. Uh, but now that it's uh, three teams, uh, it's created a lot of interest, a lot of excitement all around the country, including here, where the towel isn't in yet. No. But we're taking a standing eight count. No. <laughs> Six, yeah. seven. It, it, it's some serious ugliness. All right. How excited are you, uh, before we get out of here, uh, about uh, LSU and uh, Florida State? Luby, of course, a Florida State uh, graduate. He, he spent, I mean, you talk about seven years of college down the drain. But uh, what, what you have like a master's degree from this joint five years, yeah, includes a master's. I'm excited for this weekend. The slate sucks a lot, and I'm a little frustrated with college football for not putting more top 25 matchups together. But I am excited to have college football back. The NFL is a week away, and yes, my team, FSU, will be the, the lone top 10, let alone top 25 matchup of the weekend. Uh, I think 
Both teams are strong. Both teams have uh, playoff aspirations. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quietly confident. I won't make a pick for FSU just yet, but I'm quietly confident. And I, I think Norvell's learned a lot from the last couple of years and some of his decisions. And Brian Kelly sort of struggles in some of these games. So I'm, I'm curious to see if FSU builds on their six-game win streak last year and what LSU, because LSU was really good. And then the end of the year sort of struggled a little bit. So I'm curious to see what uh, both these programs have to start the season. We refrained, which was good. Uh, when we had Mike Norvell on an interview on another show that we do, that uh, we refrained from uh, asking him, uh, did he actually do everything in his coaching power and prowess and uh, instinct to lose that game to LSU last year in the final two minutes? <laughs> Not sure what his response would have like been. He tried. <laughs> actually, we had that circumstance arise a couple of times now in uh, recent days because we were talking to Dusty May, the head coach of uh, FAU basketball, and uh, we never mentioned the last couple of minutes against San Diego State. <laughs> a period of time the team had dominated prior to that, and then all of a sudden it was uh, <coughs> Heimlich maneuver time, my God. But, um, yeah, they did everything in their uh, power to try and lose that game uh, last year at Florida State. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't know how – you had a lot of cliches in there. I'm not sure that, uh, you know, yeah, it, it was overwhelming confidence. Look, look, uh, the game is uh, one of the only real matchups uh, of the opening week's card. This mm -hmm. is week one. Uh, we did have week zero, week sub-zero, and, uh, you know, a week double-zero before that. But um, opening week's card uh, features a lot of uh, potential blowouts. Yes. Everybody's taken on a patsy, which is the spirit of college athletics, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> Let's find the weakest piece of shit opponent we can find, schedule them, and pay them a million dollars to take the clubbing of seals. Just <laughs> we'll be watching. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, that's your morning briefing for today. Venus is shot fighter, man. Yes. Literally. She's a, she's a, she did. She's she looked like Diana and I had there getting out of the water in Key West. Jellyfish, you know, sting on her face, still very apparent. Gets up out of the water, and you're thinking, wow, what possessed this woman to think it was important to swim here from Havana <laughs> in the first place? <laughs> and uh, on that note, uh, we wish everybody well. That's uh, in the, uh, you know, path yeah, of the Italian. Which, sake, please. Wow. And is that going to loop back around here? You better not. I and uh, we'll see you next time. on the uh, For Mike Luby Lewitz, I'm Jeff DeForest. See you next time on The Morning Brief. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.